0: It's time for JT
1: the brick. I am specifically calling out some of the loud voices in the Raider Nation. We are now, as Dave Ziggler laughs, Big Boy Radio. What what are we talking about? Look, the elephant in the room is you're great fans in the Raider Nation. There's no one walking through that door. It's Jimmy G. Get behind him. Jimmy G does get banged up a lot. I don't like reminding you that Jimmy G gets hurt. You remind me of that too much.
2: Some people like to vocalize it and put it out there. Some people like to keep it in and just let their play do the talk.
1: Jimmy G, this. Jimmy is going to be that. No, Jimmy G's healthy. JT the Brick. So let me repeat that again. What is it going to take for you to buy into Jimmy G? There's not a game on the schedule where Jimmy Garoppolo with this offense doesn't give you the opportunity to win every bleeping game. That's kind of how we've always been. I ain't changing. Did I miss anything? Are you with me on that? And now, <laughs> here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. Hour number two of the show. JT at the Lotus Broadcasting Studios today. I was at the Raiders headquarters today, interviewed Josh McDaniels. You'll hear that. Here tomorrow, right at this time, the head coach interview every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. As we open up hour number two, we're on to the Chargers. We're in full Charger mode here on an NFL flagship station. So one of 32, and we got to get ready for this game. You know how what I feel about Justin Herbert? I think he's elite. Uh, the Raiders are going to have to play really well against him. They're going to have to do different things. As I opened up the first hour, they have to change the look to Justin Herbert, who leads the league in completion percentage after three games and has no turnovers. He's the only quarterback in football without a turnover. Uh, That's a big deal because the Raiders don't have a turnover, which is shocking to me. About the fact that the Raiders preach turnovers, turnovers all offseason and wanted to change that, they don't have one. So could it happen against the Chargers? Sure. A Chargers could have a tip ball, a drop, a fumble. Austin Eckler with the high ankle sprain could be a game-time decision, but he's nowhere near 100%. And a lot of people around the league don't think that Josh Jacobs is at 100% because they're looking at the stats of Josh saying, what the hell's going on with him? He doesn't look like he's going to get going. Could it be he's out of shape? It's the off season. He didn't participate. No, he looked to come in in decent shape, uh, not football shape, but he looked to come in in decent shape, and he should be getting up and going by now. Line opened up initially, Chargers minus four and a half. It's now five, five and a half. Normally when it gets to five, five and a half, Raider money comes in on the deal and knocks it back down again to possibly four and a half. But still, the Chargers almost a touchdown favorite at SoFi on the road. And it's a big spot for the Raiders. If the Raiders drop to one and three on the year, there aren't going to be a lot of people outside this building and a few, not a lot, a few Raider fans who are going to think they're going to turn it around. I think the big test for the Raiders comes off this Charger game where they have three winnable games, and I think they have to win all three. Now, you might think I'm nuts because if the Raiders lose this game, that'll be three losses in a row. How do you think they're going to win three in a row? I like the matchups against Jordan Love, Mac Jones, and Justin Fields in Chicago. I think the Raiders can put a mini run together to get the season back to 500 or potentially 4-2, and two. but they got to beat the Chargers. And if they beat the Chargers – I think there'll be a momentum shift. Not a lot of people who listen to this show now, I can tell, on Twitter, on the phones, anywhere, think they're going to win this game. And I'm not used to that. Normally there are Raider fans who believe that they're a game away. All I think about the Raiders now is that they could play a game. They've been up in all three games. They've won one. They've had the leads in the other game. If they don't drop the ball against Pittsburgh Marcus Peters, they win the game. They do. Because that'd be back-to-back touchdowns. They'd have a 14-point lead. They'd be on a roll. The Marcus Peters drop was a 10-point swing. They got three. We lost seven. So I, I think the Raiders played early in that game good enough to win the game. Problem was Pittsburgh took over and controlled the game at the line of scrimmage. And the Raiders had to scrap back into it to lose by five. Now we all know this week the huge topic has been should the Raiders have kicked the field goal like they did. Or go for the touchdowns. I told you what I thought about that. They needed to go for the touchdown. They were down there. They were down there. The Raiders got to find a play that they're comfortable with. That no one else knows about. That they can break out in a situation like they were in against the Steelers. Not a screen to Devontae. Not something that other teams have seen before. The Raiders need a play in their arsenal. The way the Raiders had one in the 70s to the ghost. Remember Dave Casper around the goal line? The Raiders had a famous play for him that they didn't use all the time. They just broke it out when they needed it. And the other team wasn't prepared. It would be the goats, Dave Casper or Raymond Chester, blocking down, showing block, and then drifting away and being wide open. Nice play. Do the Raiders have a play that they can go to for Devontae, Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, Trey Tucker, Michael Mayer, Austin Hooper that they can use in the red zone in Los Angeles that can make a difference? What's the play that they need to come up with? It's got to be something different. They look very common on offense other than Devontae Adams. And on defense, as we opened up the show an hour ago, we're wondering who needs to step up other than Max and what Patrick Graham needs to do. If Patrick Graham was sitting in studio with me today, what would you tell him to his face respectfully, right? We're about respect. What would you say to him about this defense and how to get it going? Maybe you don't think they can get it going against the Chargers. Call me next week against Green Bay. But I think that the Raider defense has got to be unique in a position in the second half, in a manageable score. Remember I told you in the Buffalo game they needed to get to halftime. They needed to get to a manageable score. They didn't. They didn't. Right before half, they gave up a touchdown. The game got away from them. I hope the Charger game doesn't get away from them. If the Raiders can get to halftime, in a manageable score in front of their fans in L.A., I give them a puncher's chance more than that to win the final 30 minutes. But they got, they can't be chasing Herbert. They can't be down 10 points or more than a touchdown. they got to play at a much higher level in this game. And, and do you believe that the silver and black has the ability to play a better game? Most of the people I talk to who are down on the team, I say, hey, man, they're going to play some good games. They're going to wake up. They're going to have a moment. I don't seem to be resonating that with anybody, literally anybody. No one in the halls, no one else thinks that, hey, man, there's a chance this thing can pop. This thing can kind of turn. We can get this going in the right direction. That's the way I'm optimistic. Get a play, make a play, a touchdown, a turnover. Try to turn it around like a lot of other teams in the league are doing. 702-365-9200. A lot of talk about Devontae about the comments he made in the locker room after the game. He met the media at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center and said this. Uh,
3: for the for the people that I needed it to, yeah. I mean, the rest of the people, it's no surprise, it's no secret that I, I truly don't care what people think. You know, as long as the people that it's intended for understand the message, that's what's most important to me. Um, for the people that didn't understand the message, it was not a shot or directed at anybody in the, in the front office here. That's about that was about us as a football team and the players that go out there and control things and have the most control over what happens, you know, in the, in the outcome of games. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's a really cowardly and small thing to take shots at coaches when we do have a lot to do, you know, the most to do with what happens ultimately out there on the field. So, you know, I'm a pretty direct dude, as you, as you know. So if it was that, I mean, I, I wouldn't personally decide to go to the media about it. I would, uh, you know, take care of it the, the way that a man is supposed to. And, you know, I'm just big on taking part, taking care of my part of it. And I take a tremendous amount of pride in, in what I do and, you know, what I put into um, this game and, and my portion of it. And, uh, you know, I, I like to think that it reflects in, in uh, you know, the, the outcome and the, the product that you see on the field. So I just try to keep it to that and then let the rest of the stuff handle itself.
1: Devontae to me, which is good. I don't know Devontae. I've only met him a few times. He doesn't do a lot of radio or anything like that. Devontae, to me, seems really pissed off. That could be a good thing because he's playing well. Yeah, He's playing well. He's getting all the balls thrown to him. He's heavily targeted. We're all great with Devontae. Devontae's doing but Just his body language, his edge, what he said, how he didn't have to clean it up, but he thought he had to make another comment about it. He seems like he is locked in, really upset that he's not winning, and I'm all good with that. We need more guys like Devontae Adams who are sounding like that, talking like that, and are pissed off after a loss. Everybody knows Devontae will help anyone in that locker room. He touched on it.
3: Just, I mean, we, we've been all working together for so long now, so it's really not as, as big of a thing as what um, it might seem on the outside as far as the, the adjustment and, and getting used to going with somebody new. But, you know, even within training camp, you know, Jimmy take a couple reps and then Hoyer come in and throw. You know, I caught balls from Aiden in, in training camp as well, so... It's definitely less than what I've caught from Tim, but it's, you know, we're making it up right
1: now. We'll see what happens at the quarterback position. I was a little bit optimistic interviewing the coach today. He didn't tell me that Jimmy cleared. He hasn't cleared. But I was optimistic that hopefully something good. And Vic Taffer, 37 minutes ago, Garoppolo's return to practice uh, puts a merciful end to Hoyer AOC debate. Okay, so as we knew today, Vinny Bonsignor, Jimmy Garoppolo is at practice for the Raiders. That's what Coach told me today on the record during the interview, which we're going to play tomorrow. I didn't know what his role would be at practice, but he's at practice. And several people are reporting on that, the insiders, who are there. As I said, he doesn't have to practice, in my opinion, at all. Just be there. If he's clearing protocol and he's following the protocol and he's clearing it on the other side, just let him sit there. Or if he's throwing, we'll find out more about that coming up. But that's important to me because he doesn't need any practice. Matter of fact, he's not playing well. And you might think, oh, well, get him in there and practice more and more. No, he's just got to see it a little bit differently. Jimmy Garoppolo's not a turnover machine. He hasn't been a turnover machine in his career. Two of the touchdowns out of the six, one was the last play of the game where he just threw it up. You take that one out and he had a tip ball in Denver on a tip. But, you know, you live with those interceptions. That's part of your stats. And he's on pace for a lot of interceptions this year unless he has a couple of games. So, Vic and uh, Vinny Bonsignor talking about him being at practice, I hope that lights a fire under some Raider fans. I believe that Jimmy can get on a roll here. I think he's a really good quarterback. He's not elite. He's not as good as Justin Herbert. But he can beat Justin Herbert. He's beaten a lot of great quarterbacks in this league multiple times. He can do it here. And we're getting some good news on that. One more from Devontae about not just winning on Sunday, but winning every day. This is classic Devontae Adams.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not happening to the degree that we want it to happen. Um, and I, d- I definitely agree with that idea. That's that's what you after. That's what all the best teams do. It's not just about the Sunday or, you know, the Saturday before the game, cleaning things up. you got to be locked in and, and um, you know, attentive to all the things that go into a, a winning week. And, you know, we are trying to do things the right way, but there's just another level that I know we can tap into. So that's that's basically where I'm at right
1: now. He said something interesting, a little clue there. He says there's another level we can tap into. Well, what's that level? Please, give me more. What's the level? There's no one complaining that the practices are weak. Never. Have I heard anyone in the Dave Ziggler, Josh McDaniels era, ever say... Man, there was a bad day of practice. No one was hustling. Man, they just looked like they were out of it. Never. That would never be allowed under Ziegler and McDaniels. That's the strength of what they bring here. Diligent, preparation, dot I's, cross t's. This is what we do. You can argue the players, and the players, are they good enough or not? But you can't argue what they do as they prep. So we're not there yet. But what is it going to take for them to go to the next level? I'm not going to put words in Devontae's mouth. But it sounds like they probably at some point need better players. Not every player can play at Devontae and Max's level, everyone. Not every player is like that. Jacorian Bennett does not play at the level of Max Crosby yet. But Tyree Wilson was drafted here to be an impact guy. And will he be an impact guy? Uh, some of the other big storylines today, uh, Zach Wilson and the Jets. The Jets story is just huge. Uh, They're talking about him being the first quarterback to be benched this year, just flat-out benched for the situation that he's in. Uh, That's a big story. Also, the Vikings are getting chippy as there's more talk. And Justin Jefferson said, quote, he is tired of the trade talk going on right now for Kirk Cousins. He doesn't want to hear that because Kirk Cousins is his quarterback. So Justin Jefferson said today that there's far too many games remaining to draw conclusions about, The season's fatal. What's going to happen here? I think that's important because when you go 0-3, the locker room feels 0-3. So he talked to a bunch of reporters today and said he's tired of hearing how 0-3 could impact the plans for next year with other players being traded. I think that's a good leadership trait. When you're 0-3, you can't throw in the towel, everybody. You get paid to play football. you got to play better and dig out of that hole, and the Vikings are dealing with that now, and the Vikings are on the schedule coming up. Hey, before we get Vince Sapienza on, Vince got a really good piece of sound on Mark Stone last night at the locker after the game after he got hit in the preseason. Listen to this.
3: Um, you know,
2: stick together. Um, that's probably the last time I'll ever play against that guy. Uh, not really much of a player, so uh, leave it at that. I think I scared him a little, didn't I? Uh, (laughs) No, I honestly, I was looking around for, you know, some of their talented players and trying to run at them, and he was really the only one. So uh, it's unfortunate you're playing against, uh, you know, a team like that. They're trying to make a name for themselves and, you know, in preseason.
1: Did
2: Brad Clark respond to you during that little uh, interaction?
1: No. He's done. We're done. All right. So that's Mark Stone. Vince Sapienza was there as the Golden Knights opened up the preseason. Vince, before we get to an overall big picture on VGK, man, I haven't seen that many big hits on a captain in a preseason meaningless game. What was that about?
0: (laughs) Well, JT, uh, that hit alone uh, made a ho-hum preseason game turn into what felt like a regular season tilt between uh, the Kings and the Knights. But I got to tell you, the, the L.A. Kings basically throughout their American Hockey League team, uh, the, the Ontario Reign. None of the guys, or very few of the guys that we saw last night, are what we're going to see in the regular season. So those guys are trying to do what they can to make an impression, make an impact, and a guy like Hayden Hodgson, who has seven NHL games under his belt, is doing anything he can to get the coaches to notice him. And what do you do? Well, if you can lay a big hit uh, on the Golden Knights captain, that, that'll definitely get the attention of the staff as well as every player And fan on the ice, it was a clean hit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Stone obviously didn't uh, like it, based on that it is a preseason game, and you know he's he's trying to get up to speed. Uh, But yeah, I mean it was a clean hit. But you, if you're if you're a VGK fan, you don't like the hit because it comes to your captain. But you have to love the way your team responded mm-hmm. in terms of on the ice going after the guy. Now you just got to finish the game and, and not give up a two-goal lead with under five to play.
1: Yeah, and more importantly, we dealt with Stone being injured last year, and then he got healthy and had the great run for the cup. so we don't want to see the captain. And you make it's great that you mentioned it was a clean hit. But when you got a player that has nothing to lose, and the captain's out there—God forbid—it's a shoulder or a knee or something. It's even twisted up in a fight afterwards in a scrum. I mean, he's a pretty valuable player coming into this season, trying to repeat.
0: Yeah, look, there's no, there's no surprise that the Golden Knights have been fighting injuries for the past two seasons. Specifically, their captain Mark Stone. Anytime a captain takes a big hit. Everybody is going to come to his defense, whether it's clean or whether it's it's a not clean hit. They're going to come to his defense of it. Just so happens that Mark Stone it had a broken wrist. He's been dealing with with back surgeries and things. So anytime he does take a hit that that raises your eyebrows, everybody's going to take notice. Everybody's going to to get in in what was a, a nice five five man line brawl uh, for a little bit. So. Mark Stone is is, uh, is okay after the hit. He obviously mm-hmm. wasn't happy with it, but uh, now they move on.
1: Uh, what's the energy like? I know it's just the preseason. You're around this team, embedded with the team. Uh, you have to have a pace to a season after you're trying to defend a cup. It can't be rah-rah, oh, crazy, just energy level, but that's how hockey players play. And you know this from going into the locker room. They play at one speed. I love hockey because the sport starts off so much better than the NBA that is just in the mud for the first month as guys are trying to get into shape. Hockey's different here. As you look at the early part of the schedule here for the Golden Knights, how much pressure will it be on them to get out of the gate quickly?
0: Well, JT, it's interesting. You know, being at training camp, you, we were all kind of sitting there wondering, like, what, what are we going to see out of this group? I mean, they had the shortest offseason in franchise history. They're on this high of winning the Cup. The Cup is on its summer tour going from place to country to city, mm-hmm. and all these people are, are enjoying themselves and drinking and celebrating as they should with their days with the Cup. We were curious how, how everyone was going to look, but it's it's almost eerie how similar training camp has felt to that of last year in terms of the energy, in terms of just, uh, you know, back to business, you know, it's so interesting. Bruce Cassidy talked about it during the postseason saying, hey, we're not afraid to talk about winning the Stanley Cup. That's what everybody's trying to do. We're okay. We're comfortable talking about it. And it's interesting that it's carried over into this season. They're okay talking about the great summer that they had and the great historic postseason that they had in the Stanley Cup. But when they get on the ice, they look just as they did during the postseason and late in the regular season in terms of back to business, in terms of keeping their eye on the prize and knowing what's at stake. And as we saw last night going back to the the first part with that big hit, the Golden Knights are going to have a giant target on their back the entire Mm -hmm. season, night in and night out. Everybody is going to get up and geared up and amped up to play their best hockey against the reigning Stanley Cup champs because Vegas Golden Knights are the standard in the NHL right now, so they know they're going to get their best effort. They know everything is going to be a physical, grinded-out type game. I think the Golden Knights are ready for that. It's it's a very business-like training camp right now because they know the recipe. They know what worked for them. Nearly everybody's coming back now. It's just a matter of getting through the grind of an 82-game season.
1: Vince Sapienza joins a sports reporter, great reporter for Fox Five, proud partner. Of the Las Vegas Raiders, Vince, what's your what are you sensing now? Good news today, Jimmy Garoppolo back at practice, threw some balls in front of the media, so he's going through. He should be good to go. How do you feel about that, Jimmy G? Maybe he could give him a burst because a lot of people in the national media and a lot of fans thought he wouldn't play, we'd have to go Aiden O'Connell or Hoyer. If he's ready to go, Jimmy's won much bigger games than this one, week four, and maybe he could have a bounce-back game. What's your gut say about the quarterback?
0: Yeah, you know, it's really interesting. I think all of Raider Nation, you know, regardless of the result that we saw on Sunday, I think, you know, everybody kind of was on pins and needles Sunday night when McDaniel says Jimmy G's in concussion protocol because all of a sudden if Jimmy – Misses any kind of time now. You're looking at a very different season for the Raiders. Now all of a sudden they're pivoting in a very different way than what the trajectory was supposed to be. I think the fact that he was back at practice today, he looks to be on track that he'll he'll get the start on Sunday in L. A. Uh, kind of calms the nerves a little bit, saying, "Hey, th- it's just Week Three. The season is not lost, despite what happened, what transpired on Sunday." I think that is a calming effect for the locker room, and it's kind of like a, "Hey, okay." We're good. Let's get back to work. Devontae Adams kind of put the room on notice with uh-huh. his comments Sunday, which I think were, were fantastic. And I think that's what you need out of Captain. You need somebody to talk like that. And you need someone to say, you know, doing just okay is not okay in the NFL. You need to be better. You need to stop you know, playing on potential and play, uh, play the game of football the way we're being coached. So I think that message on Sunday was fantastic. You couple that with the fact that Jimmy G is back on the field and then you're going to get a, a sense of uh, normalcy, a sense of consistency, I guess, going mm-hmm. into this week against a big division opponent because all of a sudden you win this game on the road. That's now two division wins yes. on your belt in four weeks. You're 2-2. Two and two. All of a sudden the season looks completely different. So I think that's a big, big boost.
1: I thank you for that, Vince. This place is asleep today. You're the guy who said it perfect. No, you really I'm dead serious. We've been friends a while. You nailed it. Like Raider fans need to get out of this kind of like coma they're in. Oh, my God, Jimmy going to play or not? This, that. Oh, geez. Let's go. If the guy can go, he gives you a better chance to win. You're playing a 1-2 and two Charger team that can have you go 2-0 in the division. You nailed it. There's a chance. There's more than a puncher's chance. The Raiders can go in there and win this game.
0: Yeah, and I think, look, and I understand the fans and Raider Nation and their excitement for Aiden O'Connell. He looked great in the preseason. He's probably going to have a fantastic career, but your trajectory of your season completely changes if Jimmy G is not your starter this early on in the season. As good as Aiden O'Connell could be, we have no idea what he is at this current moment. Jimmy G coming back gives you the best opportunity to win, and when you have a Chargers team, But let's face it, they're on the ropes a little bit. They're scratching and clawing for wins, just like anybody else in the National Football League. And there's a ton of pressure in that building for L.A. right now. So I think this is a great opportunity for the Raiders to kind of reset themselves. Devontae's words did did a lot, I feel, to that room. Jimmy G does a lot by bringing that consistency. Everybody has a game. Uh, now let's let's get back to work. Let's get to it, and you know, let's see if we can get some turnovers in the process.
1: Thank you, Vince. I'm going to remember this interview. You're exactly what we needed today to set to show up. Uh, have a good time. I'll see you over the weekend. Lot going down. You be at the fight.
0: Uh, that's a big maybe. Okay. Doing my best. Well, you know, you know me, JT, running around on on the weekend. But yeah, looking looking to do
1: so. Okay, sounds good. There he is, everybody. Vince Sapienza from Fox Five, one of our insiders there. I'll be at the fight, Canelo fighting on Saturday night. I'm really excited for the fight. Oh my God, I got I get a chance to go to a fight, a boxing match this weekend at T-Mobile. Charlo and Canelo, which I believe is going to be a really good fight. Uh, Charlo's been training his whole life for this moment. And I think he's going to come in with three belts, going up in weight, going up in weight, which he can handle. Taller, maybe bigger fighter than Canelo. I'm looking forward to a really good night out uh, with some of the boys to go to a fight here. Whenever there's a fight in town, man, it really gets me going there. And we got good news here. We're not guaranteeing it. But Vinny Bonsignor, Vic Tafer, Jimmy Garoppolo is back at practice which is massive to me. I really think that tips everything. Now, look, if Jimmy doesn't play well, if Jimmy doesn't play well, he's going to continue to play. Green, Green Bay's coming in. Devontae's not going to break in a backup <laughs> against Green Bay. Devontae wants that game more than any other game, but I think that Jimmy Garoppolo being back should be a shot of adrenaline through the Raider Nation now. A lot of fans believe that Jimmy Garoppolo can win for the Raiders. They do. The negative Nellies who are super negative and angry and throwing stuff up against the wall, I get it. I get it. You don't believe in the coach or Jimmy. You got to see it to believe it. But rational football fans who know that Garoppolo can play better wake up and say this is a big deal and gives the Raiders a much better chance to win this game. And we'll have plenty of time to see what happens with Aiden O'Connell or I think Aiden O'Connell in the future because I love the way. I called all his plays in the preseason. I love watching him play. Paul in Long Island. Paul, what's happening? JT, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good, thank you.
4: I got a funny story. You got a minute?
1: I do. Yeah.
4: So from this weekend. So I'm a season ticket holder mm-hmm. from uh from New York. So okay. I take the first flight out, JFK, Saturday morning, and I return on the red eye Sunday night. So I take with me and my son, Paul Junior. So every uh so you know, the, it's got a five-hour flight. So I was listening last week. You had Phil Villa Piano on. Mm-hmm. Told the story. You made him tell the story of how he got traded. Right. From Mal Davis. I thought it was hilarious. So I told my son the whole story. He loved it. So fast forward now, six maybe five, four, six hours walking around Seasons Palace. Sure <laughs> enough, Phil. I run into... The alumni. He's got his alumni shirt shows over there and his wife. I told him the story of, uh, of I just told my son the story. I was listening to, to JT the Brick. He goes, JT the Brick? You listen to him from New York? <laughs> I goes, yeah, we have the app, you know, the Raiders app. He loved that idea. Love he it. Couldn't believe it. Love it. And I said to him, he goes, I said to I took a picture with you guys, with you about a year ago. He goes, Let's take another picture. And I'm going to see JT. He, I guess you saw you. Scottie yeah,
1: he saw night. me that night. We, we hung out that yeah. night. That's so good. Phil's doing a lot at Caesars, and uh, you were able to be with your son and meet Phil and tell that story. And you're promoting our app because you get to li- hear us back east, which means a lot to me. Really love that.
4: Yep, anytime. I follow uh, you every day.
1: All right, my brother. Who's winning? You feel good about the Raiders? Can, can they get a shot? They got a shot to win this one?
4: I hope
1: so. There we go. That's but it.
4: I don't complain. I was surrounded by Raider, by uh, Pittsburgh fans. I'm section 106, but it's okay. All right. Well, we you do can. the same when we go there. You
1: know? Yep. You're not the problem. Thanks for the call. You're in your seat as a Raider fan. You're not the problem. Good good story about a guy who made a road trip and came here. I really like that. 702-365-9200. I think this Jimmy G thing is a wake-up call for me. I'm excited about it because I said all week. I didn't want to hear any of this Aiden O'Connell-Hoyer talk until we found out about Jimmy. Jimmy back at practice today. I think that gives the Raiders a better opportunity to win the game. So that's the best thing that happened to me today. Because when I sat down with Coach, he gave me a hint that he was going to be back there again. But a couple of the insiders are saying he was throwing today. Throwing today a little bit in the window of the media. Which is good. That's positive news. And I'll, I'll take anything I can get. La Casa Cigars. You want a place for Thursday Night Football? I've been there the last couple of Thursdays. Great place to have a cigar, have a bourbon whiskey, have a brew, have a beverage, a Coke, whatever you have. And then there's live music, and the live music is fantastic. Largest selection of cigars in a humidor in town. Fantastic place to be. to Run Business. La Casa Cigars. Tivoli Village.
4: Motion to the right
0: side. Garoppolo, play action just as you called. Clean pocket, lobs downfield for Adams. Backhand grabs, falls into the end zone. Touchdown Raiders! He was facing the line as he caught it, fell on his keister, and landed in the end zone. I'm a fourth and short the Raiders' strike.
1: Uh, That was an interesting play. That was the play Coach McDaniels and I broke down today in our interview. He walked us through the play, how it happened, what they were able to do. Now, if you look at what happened back on that play on fourth and one, uh, he broke it down nicely when a safety came flying into the box and Devontae read the play. So what was interesting is Jacoby and Devontae, Coach McDaniels explained to me what you'll see on the Silver and Black show, they did their job. They, the two receivers, knew the routes they were doing. And Devontae, from doing his homework and being elite, saw that there was a safety flying into the box, read it, and went deep. And it was a touchdown. And fourth and one is pretty bold play to go deep on fourth and one. You only got to get two yards on fourth and one. They threw a touchdown. And that was a very important part of the game. And it leads every Raider fan to be aggravated that when the Raiders got down to the eight-yard line with the game on the line, they didn't have the ability and they kicked to come up with a play because they came up with that play on fourth and one for a touchdown. Now why don't they have that play on fourth and eight? Why can't they do that? And I'm still frustrated with that because I know that Garoppolo who was in the game healthy, but he might've been concussed. Don't know because he got concussed at some point. He was in the protocol. Jacoby was healthy. Hunter was healthy. Michael Mayer caught already a two point conversion in the end zone And Trey Tucker's a player who can fly around depending on his activation going forward. The Raiders, when they get in the red zone, have to throw the ball in the end zone. I mean, I say this whoever the coach is. I said it with Gruden. I said it with North Turner. I said it with Lane Kiffin. I said it with Dennis Allen. When you get in the red area, throw it in the end zone. And they did that for years with Crabtree, Amari Cooper, Devontae Adams, it's not hard to do. Get the ball out. Now, what Justin Herbert does is Herbert is hard. He's a big guy to tackle. He's like Josh Allen. He's identical, Josh Allen and him. So when the pocket breaks down, Josh Allen likes to run. He likes to be a linebacker, a running back. He wants to run people over. Herbert doesn't do that. Herbert just extends the play, and then he throws it and pinpoint accuracy. But every time, remember when we beat Justin Herbert here, we, the season ticket holders, the last ever game here, the last ever game of the season when the Raiders went to the playoffs and knocked the Chargers out of the playoffs, I remember sitting in my seats going, oh, my, we can't, we can't stop this guy anymore. I mean, we literally can't stop him. They did. They stopped him. And Carr got the team in field goal range, and Carlson kicks the field goal, and the Raiders go to the playoffs. You know, Herbert's not perfect on any play. He should be 0-3. Brandon Staley went for it on fourth down and came up short, and then Herbert went to the sidelines. He was done for the day. And Kirk Cousins came down and threw a tip interception in the end zone. Cousins should have won that game. The Chargers would have been 0-3. And it just shows you how weird a week can be. If the Chargers would have been 0-3, I believe in my heart of hearts, Staley would have been fired because he went for it again on fourth down in his zone, and he would have lost the game. And you could not say that any other way. He would have lost the game. I think he would have been fired before the Raider game. Or at least, given the Raider game, and if the Raiders beat him to go to 0-4, he would have been fired because it's the bye week. That's another thing I talk to Coach McDaniels about off the record. I mean, we're done. We're on ourselves today. And I go, Chargers bye week's next week. He's like, yeah. Yeah, they're going into their bye week. They want to win bad. You want to win going into your bye week. You're actually allowed to go to Cabo. You're allowed to go fly fishing. You're allowed to go on vacation when you go to your bye week. They want to win this game, say goodbye in the locker room, and then a lot of these guys, they just get on private jets or they share their money on private jets and they take off and they're on real vacation. So the Chargers got a lot going into this game. The Raiders bye week, it feels like it's next year. I mean, I'm not a big believer in an early bye week, but the Raiders could use an early bye week the way things are going now, but they don't get one. they got to figure their way out of this thing and get a win here. I am very excited, man. I might have a Modelo. I might have a Modelo right after the show. I don't got a show tonight. As a matter of fact, I am going to have a Modelo because Jimmy G looks like he's good to go. From what we're seeing, it looks that way with him being at practice, which I find fantastic, and I'm pro-Jimmy G having a bounce-back game. Because I don't think Jimmy G could play as bad as he has at times, and I think Jimmy G is going to be able to turn it around. Uh, Johnny Katz was at the Raider game on Sunday, floating around the torch. Before we get to entertainment, how'd that go with uh, Lil Wayne and the performance there at the game last Sunday? Johnny Katz is of, there.
2: He did. A, he lot of. He, he uh, performed a lot over last weekend. He was at iHeartRadio Music Festival, and he he showed up at the Raider game. Yeah, it was great. You know, they had a, a great presentation there. They. The uh, the entertainment side of the uh, Raiders operation uh, uh, did great Sunday. It, w- it held up. It was uh, it was great to see the the Stabler uh, event yeah. was uh, wonderful. I thought um, uh, Iron Mike <laughs> brought the energy with the torch lighting. The whole thing was uh, and Jordan Sparks the anthem, beautiful anthem rendition. You know they they filled it all uh, filled it all out impressively. But Lil Wayne was uh, he's got a lot of fans. Wheezy does he does he sold a lot of music and he's won a lot of awards for a reason. He's, he's electrifying.
1: I'm happy you mentioned Jordan Sparks with the anthem and that fl- length of the field flag. That was beautiful. I took a couple photos of that and sent him back home. That was a really nice touch. She is, she's about as good as it gets. I mean, I won't put it at the Whitney level, who I was at that Super Bowl, but she mm-hmm. does a beautiful rendition. You could tell she's a pros pro.
2: Yeah, she does a lot of All Star games. She did the, the Super Bowl, the uh, the helmet catch year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the Giants beat the uh, patch. She sang the national anthem then. And she's, uh, yeah, she's experienced that. It was beautiful. And, you know, it's funny when, when they had the uh, the event for the Super Bowl uh, committee uh, uh, several weeks ago, I asked uh, Governor Lombardo about the entertainment at the Super Bowl he wanted to see. And he specified Jordan Sparks as an anthem singer because he was at that game. Uh, at the Giants, uh, Patriots mm-hmm. games because yeah because he, he-, he said the same thing you did. Yeah, I don't want to put her on the uh, Whitney level but that was pretty spectacular. So I was remembering that when I was watching her at Allegiant Stadium. So it was it was a really cool you know you, again they do things at, at the uh, at Allegiant Stadium for Raider games that they is not seen anywhere else in the NFL.
1: Johnny Katz is our guest. New column up here on the Sphere architecture. Tell me about that. I mean, I am I am pro Sphere. I'm pro everything Vegas, as you are too. Here we go. You two in town? Looks to be on time. No real glitches. Tell me about what's happening here this weekend.
2: Well, I was just in there just uh, wow. a minute ago, uh, JT. I was at the, in the atrium with uh, James Dolan, the head of uh, MSG Entertainment, whose company owns, of course, the uh, Madison Square Garden and mm. uh, Radio City Music Hall and Beacon Theater in New York and several other venues, and uh, uh, talking to him about it and. Uh, I, I think the thing that he was was saying that he's noticing that the the coverage of the sphere now is is a lot like what people were saying about Radio City Music Hall when it opened originally. You know, it's groundbreaking. It's it's got different scale, different architecture, and uh, the the atrium where we saw it to, to, today. I didn't go inside the ball, but the atrium itself is really really cool. It's mm-hmm. got uh, it's got five of those uh, aura robots that will talk to you as you walk in. Around the uh, facility, and and that room is as pretty as any regular venue we have in Las Vegas. Actually, just the uh, just mm-hmm. the the lobby area. It's it's, it's a grandiose experience. So, uh, I think the, the thing is, uh, we're gonna. They're promising we will be wowed by the U two show tomorrow night. That we will have a whole different um, opinion of live entertainment and its uh, possibilities after we see this. Uh, Dolan said today told me today he wants to build uh, many spheres mm-hmm. all over the world, maybe London next, and this is going to be the first uh, testing ground here in Las Vegas uh, the most friendly city for something like this he said Dave we like uh special architecture, we like lights and we like uh, grandiosity here is how
1: he put it. Mm-hmm. And, uh,
2: so here we are yeah, <laughs> a night one night away.
1: Johnny Katz joins us, so with you two doing the pop up song Atomic City as they did that for a reason and they've been rehearsing, and I know they've been rehearsing at the Minisphere in Burbank and trying to get the show ready for here. Look, some fans want to be on the opening night for Adele, Carrie Underwood. Other fans, like myself, I'm good to wait three nights down the road. I don't think they need to get kinks out. Bono's a pro and rehearsed this show many times. What are you hearing and sensing how big of a show is this going to be if it sounds as good and looks as beautiful behind him and around him? You know, I think there's an interesting
2: theory about opening nights. You know, that's why they have previews. You know, uh, <laughs> It could be, you know, Barbara Streisand open the, uh, the the International Hotel Casino before Elvis. Pres- expecting to have that, some of the technical problems even back in 1969. Um, I one thing, All
1: right, his phone's they- breaking. They didn't have a hold on, buddy. Get to a better spot. You're in a great spot. Your phone's breaking up here a little bit. I want to make sure we got him. Uh, Johnny Katz here, joining us. I'm dying to hear more about the Sphere. The Sphere opens up tomorrow night. You too. It's going to be, you know, one of the great nights in Vegas history. So you were talking about Barbara Streisand before Elvis. Tell, take me back then.
2: All right, you're, am I back with yeah, you? Yeah,
1: you're on. You're, yep.
2: Yeah, that's that, that. We were talking about that. That's one of the the most famous uh, openings we've had. And uh, Elvis didn't want to open the international uh, the theater at the International Hotel himself. He wanted somebody else to come in. And, and work out the, uh, the the infrastructure of it, the tech, and it turned out to be Barbara Streisand. And at that time, it made sense that Barbara Streisand would be the one to open this. This show is going to be you two. They've rehearsed a couple, but it didn't go great, according to what Bono said this morning. All
1: right. So... Um, no problem, man. We're good. We're good on that. That's cell phones. It's a sphere. There's more digital there. We're good on that. Uh, I wanted to hear that. He talked about Barbara Streisand, the sphere opening up, and uh, unfortunate we couldn't get to the end of that storyline. But. Look, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go with this concert experience. Uh, Johnny Katz is always fantastic. Always appreciate him coming on. And uh, we'll see how the sphere opens up. He will have in-depth, keen coverage of the sphere opening up here and how important it's going to be. So I'm looking forward to it. I hope everybody else is looking forward to it. And if you're able to get in there, if you're one of the first few to get into that show... I hope you tweet out and you put out a lot of tweets, and please tag me in on that because I got a couple of friends who are going to the opening night. I hope to go early in the run here, and I love live music, and I cannot wait to hear the reviews of you 2 inside the Sphere. Best of luck. James Dolan owns the Knicks. I don't like him as an owner at all, at all, but I can put that aside for live music there at the Sphere. Sam in Vegas. Keep us going, Sam. What's happening? Sam, you're up next. He is not there as we continue on. Sam, are you there? Go ahead.
5: Hey, how you doing, JT?
1: I'm doing good. Thank you.
5: Um, I think uh, just a little thoughts about this upcoming game uh, on Sunday. I think it's a must win. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt about it. I feel like if we happen to lose that game – I could pretty much see Devontae kind of looking at the uh, front office, maybe requesting a trade. Why would Devonte? You know,
1: wanted- oh, hold on, hold on. Let, let, let's have this honest conversation here. Let's have an honest conversation. Devonte gets yes, paid millions upon millions of dollars that other receivers who played for the Raiders didn't get paid anywhere near it on worse teams that struggled and had the same record. Why do we have to talk about white flag quitting, wanting a trade? Why is that even a conversation? He gets paid in a long-term contract to be a Raider through the good and the bad. Why would he leave?
5: Why would he leave? Well, the same thing. Why you say he would uh, you would wave the white flag on quitting is like the same thing I would bring up. It's not always about the money, JT. Mm. I mean, look at—he strikes me as a player that just wants to win. He even said it after the game. He's like, "Look, I'm not trying to be here to figure it out. I'm supposed to already have an identity and figure this thing out." Okay, and I agree with him. We are—he is wasting away as of right now in Las Vegas. We were supposed to make the playoffs last year. We're have, we're off to a rough start this year. Yes, we beat the Broncos, but Miami just put up seventy on them. So is that really saying much?
1: Well, what about all the players? No, I'm ask- player. I'm asking a specific question, not just to you. Uh, what about all the players sure. for thirty years who played for the Jets or the Browns? Or the Texans or the Colts or the Titans or they played for the Commanders when they weren't the Redskins or the Bears now or the Panthers or the Cardinals. Imagine if every player in the league and the team was 1-2, and 1-3 and three started saying, hey man, I'm an All-Pro, I'm really good, I want out. Imagine what the league would look like if every player did that
5: it would be uh, upside down. Right. There would be no loyalty, and I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly, JT, but say we do lose against the mm. Broncos, say we do have a, another rough start like we did right. last year, it's mainly, I would say, the only reason why, what makes me say that, Devontae, I could totally see him mm. going to the front office, maybe requesting a trade, because okay. he doesn't have that much time in his career. You know what I'm saying? What is this? his seventh, eighth year in the league? He wants to win now. He's trying to earn a, a Super Bowl, and rightfully so. And I know he deep down he wants to play for right. the Raiders, but at the end of right. the day, it's not all about the money. There, there was yeah. a big uh, trending topic just recently with athletes talking about would you take the money over an NBA championship? If you watch some of these uh, sports uh, platforms on the internet, and uh, there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of split decisions on that, you know. And I think Devontae, he strikes me as a player. That really wants to win more than anything. Yeah, I agree Just like with you. Tom Brady, yeah. He's willing to he's willing to cut. He's willing to take that mm-hmm. those pay cuts to why okay. to justify his legacy.
1: You bring up a fair topic and I appreciate your call. I'm not gonna participate. I know that Devontae loves Vegas. I know his family loves Vegas. I know the chefs he hangs out with, where he plays golf. Everyone says he loves it here. Could you be right that if the Raiders don't turn it around he could demand a trade? Of course you could be right. It's not a big topic for me because I think that players should hold tight and, and have a commitment and stay where they agreed to play. But again, I'm not saying I have all the answers here, but I know the type of radio host I am, and I wouldn't say that only about Devonte. I'd say it about Justin Jefferson. I'd say it about NBA players like James Harden or whoever the – LeBron James. The same thing. You, know, I'm, I'm, you work it out. You get through it. You get to the other side. Tequila Commissario, Gavin Maloof and his team have an award-winning tequila known as arguably the best tequila in the world, from all the platinum and gold medals that they're winning. Ask for Tequila Commissario the next time you go to any establishment in Vegas. You'll try it. You'll love it. They're a proud partner of our show.
0: Top of the circle, down to the goal line, Stone, back to our pass, they score! Tic-tac-toe, Jonathan Marcheseau, power play goal,
1: it took him 33 seconds. 2-0 Golden Knights, 4-11 to go, first period. Marcheseau, coming through with the And than that. Hey, I don't get crazy about preseason anything, but the Golden Knights are back with a Stanley Cup. And that's a cool thing. And here's you 2 that's going to open up the sphere tomorrow. So it's going to be a big weekend, even though the Raiders are out of town. Q's coming up next. He always has a big show for you. Uh, I, don't, I know he'll bring it up, but I just want to say as we wrap up the show, Jimmy G at practice today, throwing the ball, being a part of that, And possibly, and again, I'm not guaranteeing anything, but the fact that he could go and it looks like he will go, that's an assumption here, not a fact, but looking like it's trending that way is a big deal to get Raider fans moving in the right direction. I know for some it's doom and gloom, for some it's negativity. I would look at it as a positive, I'm going to be really excited on the pregame show with Eric Allen, super pumped up and ready to go. If Jimmy G's out there in warm-ups, he's clean, he's good to go, and the Raider Nation's going crazy at SoFi Stadium. That, I talked about Buffalo having a puncher's chance, and they didn't win. The Raiders got more than a puncher's chance against the Chargers. In my 25th year with the team, I've seen the Raiders beat the Chargers many times. And the greatest games in that rivalry, with all due respect to Plunkett and Fouts and Stabler, they were big, was Phillip Rivers, who won more games. Good trivia question. No one has beaten the Raiders more in the history of the NFL than Phillip Rivers. I was there for the Rivers games in the black hole, and that guy came out, and he was trash-talking the black hole. Everybody will tell you. And then Junior Seau, the famous time he came over, flipped us all off in the black hole in Oakland. That's what I'm used to, that type of intensity. SoFi is more like a Walmart. It doesn't have that type of intensity. But Raider fans will be seen throughout that parking lot. This ain't Carson, California. This is Inglewood, in the hood. Always up to no good. Raider Nation can take over Inglewood. Jimmy G can come out of the tunnel. And I'm optimistic they're going to play pretty good eventually. Why not at SoFi? Here comes Q. I'll see. I'm ready to roll. the big opportunity with Jimmy G. Get on this and let's get going and turn this around.